Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, if you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Psalm 92. Life is, uh, life is busy, isn't it? And sometimes it can, uh, it can feel like it's passing you by. Or certainly days feel like you're passing you by. I mean, there's another week gone. We're into October. It's nearly Christmas. And uh, many, many of us and, and many in our culture are best described, or this is one way that many people describe those in our culture today. They are busy people living busy lives. I, I don't know if you can identify with that, but it seems that so many of us are always on the go. There's always things to do. We're often running just to keep up, and we need to stop. We need to stop. We need to rest and we need to recover. I came across this, uh, this quote during the week, never, never came across it before, from Archibald Hart. People in a hurry never have time to recover. Their minds have little time to meditate and pray so that problems can be put in perspective. In short, people in our age are showing signs of physiological disintegration because we're living at a pace that is too fast for our bodies. We need to hurry up, yes, but we need to hurry up and be still. And so this morning, that's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to hurry up and be still. Thomas Merton, a kind of Trappist monk from the last century, said that the most pervasive form of violence in the modern world is busyness. It's not drugs, it's not guns. Busyness, although I know for some people, busyness is a drug. But we need to stop. And we need to slow down. But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Because I'll guarantee everybody here is thinking, yeah, but I have so much to do. So much that needs to be done. Another problem to sort. Another mail to make. Another email to send, another message to reply to, another expectation to meet, another decision to take, another person to see, another event to attend, another shop to call at, another picture to Instagram, another social media feed to check, another essay to write, another assignment to research, another presentation to prepare, another journey to make. And so you could just go on and on and on, can you? It's all part and parcel of life in the 21st century, isn't it? I mean, that, that's true, it is. It's just all part and parcel of life in our world today, but something's not right. Something's not right whenever you constantly hear or find yourself feeling tired, exhausted, and then coming out with that classic phrase, that expression of frustration, that so-called mantra of our age, if only I had what? More time. If only I had more time. And we need to stop. And we need to slow down some of us this morning just need to take a deep breath. Maybe you just want to do that right now. Just need to take a deep breath. But the thing is, we need to do this, not just as a kind of one-off, but on a regular basis. Not just because that's a good idea, not just because it might save us from exhaustion or from physiological disintegration, but actually because it's what we're supposed to do. It's not just what we're supposed to do, it's what we've been designed to do. 
which takes us to the practice of, the gift of, the blessing of, the importance of, the discipline of Sabbath. Two weeks ago, we introduced our new series, Unforced Rhythms, which is all about, as Peter has said, spiritual disciplines. And can I, can I just say thank you for all the initial feedback and the reaction that we have, we're kind of receiving from this. It, it seems like this has either come at the right time or it's just captured a lot of people's attention at the moment. So thank you for your f- feedback and reaction. But last Sunday night, we started, to say two weeks ago, I introduced this series, Broad Brush Strokes. Last Sunday night, we started to go through the spiritual disciplines one at a time. And if you were there last Sunday night, we looked at and we thought about worship. And today, we come to the discipline of Sabbath. Now, now I know that it isn't always or immediately thought of or recognized as a spiritual discipline. I know that. And so those of you who did manage to get a copy of the book that accompanies this series, you will know there is no chapter in that book on Sabbath. Those of you who have read Celebration of Discipline, that kind of classic book on the spiritual disciplines by Richard Foster, will know there is no chapter in that book on Sabbath. So I realize that it isn't always or immediately thought of as a spiritual discipline. It's more than that. It's bigger than that. Absolutely. But I think it is okay. It's fair. It's helpful to include it because let's be honest. If we are going to stop on a regular basis, if we are going to slow down and observe Sabbath or have any chance of observing it on a regular basis, it's going to require, it's going to take discipline. And for some of us, it's going to take a pretty major dose of it. Or maybe the very fact you're here means you don't need to take that massive a dose of it. So let me ask you a question. What does Sabbath rest, to kind of give it a broader title, what does Sabbath rest look like in your life right now? In fact, let me, let me kind of tweak that question a little to ask a better question. Here it is. What does Sabbath rest look like on a regular basis? in your life right now. Take a, wee, take a moment to think about that. Respond to that. What does it look like on a regular basis? And before we, we, we dig a bit deeper, let's, let's go back to remember the purpose of spiritual disciplines because we need to keep doing this because we're not just doing these for doing them sake. There's a reason for the spiritual disciplines. And we have identified four. It's not an exhaustive list. They're not the only four, but I want to suggest there are four main reasons for spiritual disciplines. I know I threw this out last Sunday night, but let's throw it in. Can anybody shout back to me? What are the four reasons we have identified for spiritual disciplines? Godliness is one. Jesus did them as two. Intimacy is three. And they guard your heart for. Thank you. Godliness Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness is what Paul said to Timothy. Train yourself in another version of the Bible. Train yourself to be godly. In another version of the Bible, exercise thyself unto godliness. This is, this is a core verse. 1 Timothy 4, 7 is a core verse in this series. And so we do spiritual disciplines. Why? To be godly, to be holy, to become more like Jesus. The reason for doing this series is not to see more people doing more spiritual disciplines. The reason for doing this series is to see more people becoming more like Jesus. That's why we're doing this series. 
Secondly, intimacy, they nurture our relationship with God. They help us to keep company with Jesus. Third reason Jesus did them. The most perfect person who ever lived, the Son of God, God incarnate, did them. And then finally, spiritual disciplines are great heart protectors. So as we come to look at Sabbath this morning as a spiritual discipline, we do it, we consider doing it, we practice doing it. Why? For the purpose of godliness, intimacy. Because Jesus did it and it guards our hearts. Okay, let's read from God's word. Now, in terms of Sabbath, we could turn to any number of places, and I, I, we will go through a few this morning. But at this stage, I want to read a little-known psalm. That's why I got you to, to turn to Psalm 92. It is not a well-known psalm at all. But if you look at this psalm, if you've got a copy of God's Word in front of you, if you look at it, you will see that this is described as a psalm for the Sabbath day. It's, it's the only one as far as I know. And so before we read this psalm for the Sabbath day, does this mean that we're going to explore this discipline and think about discipline, this discipline in terms of talking about a day, like an actual day of rest, a Sabbath day? Well, yes, we are. And no, we're not. Although primarily, yes, we are. Okay, so hopefully that's everyone confused. But please don't be, because you see, the thing is, Sabbath is a day and it's also an attitude. Sabbath is a date in the diary, it's also a disposition of the heart. Sabbath is a date in the diary and it's a disposition of the heart. And if I was going to summarize, and if you hear nothing else this morning, if, you'll, if you've already lost the will to live, if you hear nothing else this morning, if I was to sum up what this discipline is all about in three words, here it is. Rest, renewal, reverence. We need all of those. We need recovery. We need refreshment. We need God. Rest, renewal, reverence. Okay, please stand with me for the public reading of God's Word. The, the words will be on the screen. They're very small. Forgive me, Fat. I'm sorry. Psalm 92, Psalm song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name almost high as we've been doing this morning. It's good to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at work what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts Senseless people do not understand, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my strength like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. Grab a seat. 
what I want to do is I kind of want to take you on a bit of a whistle-stop tour through Scripture as we try to get a handle on Sabbath, and I'm going to make some comments as we go along. And as we do that, we need to start right back at the very beginning. We need to go back to creation. We need to go back to Genesis 1 and 2, and ultimately, we need to go right back to God. In the creation narratives, the first two chapters of the Bible, we discover that there is a rhythm There is a rhythm to the way that God works. There is a pattern. There is a routine. And so, for example, you read the phrase, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day, and so on and so on. Six times in the first chapter, you come across that phrase, and there was evening, and there was morning, there was the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day. There was rhythm. By the way, this is is something I have highlighted before. Isn't it really interesting to note that biblically speaking, a day doesn't begin with the morning, but it begins with the evening. Isn't that that interesting? And so the first thing we do in a day is sleep, biblically speaking. Anyway, there's, there's a rhythm. There's evening, there's morning, it's another day. And then there's reflection. Because God took time to reflect, God took time to think, God took time to weigh up, God took time to measure, and God saw that it was good. You read that six times in the first chapter of Genesis, and it was good, and God thought it was good, or else God saw that it was very good. And then finally and crucially, God rested. So on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And right up front, right from the outset, let's be clear, a day off rest, Sabbath rest, was built into the rhythm of creation. It's been built into the rhythm of our lives by the creator of our lives. And because human beings are made in the image of God, I mean, those creation narratives, Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So because human beings are made in the image of God, we need, we need that rhythm. We need similar rhythm in our lives. And so we need to work, yeah? We need to reflect and we need to rest. We need to stop because we need to remember we are human beings, not human doings. We need to slow down. And and don't forget, and again, this is something we've drawn attention to before. I never tire of saying this and repeating this. The first thing that Adam and Eve did on planet earth was what? What was the first thing Adam and Eve did on planet earth? They rested. They were created on the sixth day, and the next day was a day off. It's not incredible. Have you thought about that before? Adam and Eve worked from a place of rest. Most of us rest from work. We've got it all upside down. Adam and Eve worked from a place of rest. Creation point is this as we begin this tour. Sabbath rest was intended to be part of the way we live. Why? God modeled it. Not only that, God knit it into the created order. And then, later he commands it. He commands it. So number four, 
on the list of 10 commandments. Exodus 20, it's the longest command. Although we shouldn't read too much into that, although it's interesting. But God tells us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. How do you do that? How do you keep the Sabbath day? And don't get hung up on which day we'll come back. How do you keep the Sabbath day? What does it mean to keep it holy? Well, God says, you refrain from work and you rest. That, that's how you keep it holy. Now, as with all the commandments, they weren't given to restrict life. They weren't given to suppress life. They weren't given to spoil life. They weren't given to beat anyone up or create guilt whenever we're not, we don't observe them. No, they were given originally, for what reason? To enable people to live with God, to live with others, to live with themselves. That's why they were given. In Exodus 20, this was partly about liberation, not restriction. So commandment number four, all about the Sabbath. It was given to the people to remind them, do you know something? You are no longer slaves who never have the chance to stop, who never have the choice to stop. You're no longer slaves who don't have the luxury to stop. Now you can. You're free. Now you can choose to stop. Now you have the luxury to stop. I'm telling you to stop. And so Sabbath was, and Sabbath still is, and I love this quote from Tim Keller, Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. That's what Sabbath is. It's a declaration of freedom, not a restrictive thing. I mean, we've got so messed up with this idea for all kinds of reasons, I know. Background, bad experience, all sorts of things. We need to, we need to jettison all of those in a sense. Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. And so this command was not given to be a burden to bear, but as a necessity to enjoy. It's a gift. It's blessed by God, according to Genesis chapter 2. It's given to protect us. It's given to restore us. It's given to refresh us. And Sabbath rest is as important now as it was back in Exodus 20. Although here's the thing. The discipline of living it, the discipline of practicing Sabbath rest today is probably more intense than ever. Than ever. It's more intense, it's more demanding in a 21st century world where, let's be honest, one day is just like the next. For most people, one day is just like the next. The boundaries between different days have eroded. In fact, even the boundaries between day and night have been eroded. We celebrate cities that never sleep. We're all connected 24-7. Media never shuts down. And on and on we could go. So to practice this, I mean, we need it as much as we've ever needed, but to practice this discipline, to make this choice, is probably harder now than it's ever been. Keeping Sabbath is a big ask. It's a real discipline, but it's been created for our good. It's a created gift. It's a divine order. And when we don't practice this discipline, when we neglect Sabbath rest, it can be seen as, according to Ian Stackhouse, and this is quite a provocative quote, but when we don't 
practice Sabbath rest that can be seen as an expression of deep ingratitude and rank infidelity for it asserts the primacy of self over the graciousness of God. You see, by not practicing this discipline, by not regularly stopping and slowing down, we're effectively throwing God's gift, God's command back in his face and somehow suggesting, do you know something, God? We have found a better way to live, that life in the fast lane, that life constantly busy, that life running just to keep up, that life that lacks rest and renewal and reverence. Do you know something? That life is more fulfilling. And it just isn't. And not only is it just not, it's destructive and delusional to think it is. Back to our track through Scripture. Because you see, as with most of the advice of God regarding how to live life as it was intended, what happens? The people of God just like the people of God always have. But the people of God way back then to say, do you know something? We know better. And they kept losing touch with God's ways. They strayed from God's ways. And it needed the God-sent prophets to keep coming along and calling them back to God's ways, urging them back to God's ways. And regarding Sabbath, which clearly the people of God had got to a point of neglecting and forgetting, the prophets, the God-sent prophets, had to remind them, do you see this gift of Sabbath? This is a sign of God's blessing to you. This is a sign of God's promised presence with you. And so Isaiah comes along and calls the people back to God's ways, including Sabbath. Ezekiel comes along, calls the people back to God's ways, including Sabbath. And then whenever you get into the New Testament, what do you discover whenever you get into the New Testament? You discover that here is this gift, here is this command, and what has it been turned into? It's been turned into legalism. A bunch of religious people, primarily the Pharisees, had turned a whole pile of good things, including Sabbath, into a huge burden. They completely missed the point of rest, renewal, and reverence. And instead of treating this day, this intentional day of for delight and refreshment, what did they turn it into? An excruciating legalistic exercise, which actually became another form of work. It became another form of work. Got to keep this thing. Got to do this thing. Got to hear this thing. Got to dot the I's, cross the T's. And then enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. And in Mark's gospel, chapter 2, so this is really early on in his ministry, Mark's gospel, chapter 2, Jesus comes out with this groundbreaking radical statement that changes everything, sends heads spinning. What does Jesus say? Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God gave this gift of Sabbath. Why? For the benefit of people. It was to be a restorative thing. Not a legalistic thing. Not a burden. And so Jesus himself honored Sabbath. While rejecting all the nonsense and the legalism that got loaded onto it, he cut through it. He modeled it as a time of rest and renewal and reverence. And we get a glimpse into this on a few occasions through the Gospels. And so we read that on Sabbath, what does Jesus do? He goes to the synagogue. He joins with others to worship. He joins with others to learn. He joins at times with others to teach them. He joins with others to pray. As we're doing here this morning. On the Sabbath, Jesus responds to people with compassion. And love, he heals people on the Sabbath. What else does he do? He spends time with family and friends. He goes for walks. He retreats on Sabbath to be with his father. He sits down and he enjoys a meal. He enjoys good food and drink. He plays. Jesus built 
Sabbath rest into the rhythm of his life. And the early followers of Jesus appeared to do this as well. Not just the original 12 disciples. Yes, they were with Jesus, so they would have built this into their rhythm of life. But also his subsequent followers. One example of this, right at the end of Luke 23, we come across a verse that I believe is often missed. It's the very last verse of Luke 23. And the reason I think we often miss this verse is because we're in a rush to get to 24 because what's in Luke 24? It's the resurrection. This is the in-between period. And what we read is that after the body of Jesus was taken down from the cross by Joseph and placed in the tomb, we read that the women who had come with Jesus to Galilee, they followed Joseph who had taken Jesus' body down off the cross. And they went home, it says, these women went home then to prepare spices and perfumes. And then the last line of that last verse of that chapter of Luke's gospel reads, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the command. You see, clearly Jesus hadn't told his followers, hey, do you know something? Ditch that one. Ditch the command to rest. Here was Jesus' followers observing this rhythm in their lives. And then you fast forward to Hebrews 4 where the writer talks about a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, there is so much going on in this chapter, so much more going on in this chapter, in this idea of Sabbath than simply a day of rest, renewal, and reverence. The the writer here is actually talking about the eternal Sabbath rest of God that all of us can look forward to, that is found where? It's found in Jesus. So let's go right back to the very start of the service and to something that Peter read. I didn't know he was going to read it. So glad he read it. What does Jesus say? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest, eternal rest, eternal Sabbath rest is found in Jesus. But as the writer of Hebrew writes about this and clarifies this idea, do you know what he does? He refers back to creation and he refers back to the rhythm that was established from the beginning of time. And he says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works or their labor, Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now, as I say, there are layers of meaning in that that text, but it also reminds us of the importance of a Sabbath day of rest like God took, and which is still an important rhythm in our own lives. I love the fact that that phrase we spent so much time in the last series talking about reappears here. What is the phrase that we spent so much time in the last series talking about that reappears right at the end here? Make what? Make every effort to enter into, do you know, if we are going to have Sabbath as part and parcel of our lives, it's going to require effort. It's going to require discipline, but here is the thing. If we can remember and realize that God gave Sabbath as a restorative and a recuperative gift, that he punctuated the weekly rhythm with a day for rest, renewal, and reverence, then do you know something? It's worth the effort. And so we need, and this is all I want to say this morning, and maybe I surprise some of you by coming back to this whole idea of a Sabbath day, but anyway. We need to accept this gift. We need to practice or we need to recover the practice and the discipline of Sabbath. For many of us, this is most likely going to happen today, Sunday, okay? That's just the reality. For most of us, for many of us, it's going to happen today, a Sunday, when we cease work, when we come and we join with others for worship and to learn and to pray together where we go home and we spend time with family and friends, where we enjoy some fresh air, probably not today, where we read, where we take a little more time to pray and reflect and think and sleep 
and play or whatever. For others, for various reasons, and there are lots of reasons, Sundays aren't going to be that day. It's going to have to be another one. We, do, we shouldn't get hung up on which day it is. But it's going to have to be another one as long as it's one in seven. And at times, even a day a week for some of us is not going to be an option. And so we're going to need to know what it looks like to integrate periods of Sabbath rest into our lives during the week. As Daryl Tippins writes in A Pilgrim Heart, Sabbath is a wonderful benefit and blessing to humanity that our culture greatly needs, and so it does. Sabbath, which he says I use broadly to signify rest, downtime, quiet, renewal, recreation, getting away, that can occur any day of the week. It can be part of a busy day, and it can. But I know, as many of you do, and this is part of my background, I know as many of you do that this can easily become a legalistic discipline. And maybe for some of us, past experiences, and let's be, let's be clear, most of them probably negative, or the kind of questions that arise like, well, what should you do and what shouldn't you do on a Sabbath? All of a sudden, those are the kind of questions that are swirling around in our minds. They dictate, they take over. All I want to say to you is this, because the minute you start going down that road is the minute you start heading toward legalism. And all I want to say to you, in fact, all I want to do is repeat the words of Jesus. Sabbath was made for you. Sabbath was made for you. God created it. God did it. God commanded it. Because he knows best. So, if you have lost touch with the intentional and it needs to be, the intentional practice of Sabbath. If you're resting from work as opposed to working from rest, if you're too busy, then let me encourage you to rediscover and re-engage with a spiritual discipline of rest, renewal, and reverence. And one of the other interesting outcomes of Sabbath is the potential impact it has on all the other spiritual disciplines. Because you see, Sabbath rest, an intentional day of Sabbath rest, enables us to come together to do what we thought about last Sunday night, worship. It enables us to create more space and time to read and pray and journal and do all those other things that we're going to be looking at together. But more than that, it allows us to have a greater focus on God. That's what it's about. Sabbath rest allows us to have a greater focus on God. As John Wells wrote, they that have delight in the Sabbath of God shall find delight in the God of the Sabbath. Which takes us back to the purpose of the disciplines. Why do you practice Sabbath? You practice it for the purpose of godliness, to become holy, to become more like Jesus. You practice it, why? For intimacy, to nurture your relationship with your Father. You do it because Jesus did it built it into the rhythm of his life, God incarnate. And you do it because it just may guard your heart. It's a great heart protector. And so my advice this morning, hurry up. Hurry up and be still. The Sabbath, the rest is up to you.